It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. As we bring in the lead play-by-play voice of the UFC pay-per-view, John Anik. Welcome to the show as we have uh, UFC 298 in Anaheim tomorrow. What's going on, man? Great to be with you. An honor to be on these airwaves. And uh, the energy in Anaheim has just been crazy all week. These people deserve this uh, card. And uh, we're excited to call it here tomorrow night. Dude, we're, we're, we're excited to to watch it. But now before we get into the, the pay-per-view and, and the card itself, um, today, you being a Bostonian that you are, today we celebrated here at WFAN. We retired number 13 in honor of Alex Rodriguez. What is your thoughts on Alex Rodriguez? So I've always been an Alex Rodriguez fan. I wanted him to become a Boston Red Sox in the worst way. And I think at the time I was writing a column for a local sports radio station. And, uh, you know, that was a dark day in Boston sports when he became a Yankee. You know, uh, I just have a lot of respect for his ability. And, uh, you know, I know people are divided on him. And, uh, you know, there's no rainbows without a lot of rain, right? But uh, I'm an A-Rod supporter, always have been. And, uh, you know, there are a lot of people that uh, want to see him in a Red Sox uniform, and I was one of them. Yeah, but listen, you got the better end of it because he basically broke the curse for you guys. He came, he became a Yankee, and then you guys won a World Series in 2004. So, I mean, that basically gave – that was that was the straw that broke the, the camel's back, as they say, and, and gave the Red Sox that, that they broke the final curse. I, I, yeah. That's what I f- truly believe. Yeah, no, fair. I mean, certainly he's definitely a part of that narrative and storyline. I got to tell you, though, the Boston Red Sox right now, it looks like they're just trying to, like, do Netflix specials and <laughs> grow the fan base instead of trying to win World Series championships. So it's a really interesting time in all, uh, in all seriousness to be a Boston Red Sox fan because things have really changed. And I don't know if it was winning that fourth chip in 2018 or what they're trying to do exactly maybe buy a basketball team or something, but they're not trying to win a World Series in Boston right now. And between that and the football team, dude, I don't know what's going on in New England. I mean, I feel bad. I almost feel bad for you and Dana and everybody, but not so much because you had such a run with Bill Belichick. Let's put it that way, and Tom Brady. I can't wait to see Belichick get a job at some point in time so he can prove whatever naysayers there out there are that uh, he can still coach. All he wants to do is coach. I wouldn't be surprised if he took a high school job during his off year. John, they're talking about... Brian Dable being worried for his job because Belichick's in the wait to take over if they if they have another losing season for the New York Giants. So I mean it's he it's like a match made in heaven, expecting it already to happen. It's going to be crazy. I personally listen. He's one of the goats of all time, but I just I just don't want that just yet. But let's get to the pay per view. Let's get to the card. By the way, we are honored to have you here because we have in this area in New York. We have some of the best play-by-play voices of all time. Talk about John Sterling with the Yankees, how he rose with the Mets. But you, my friend, are unbelievable and one of the goats as well, especially for the UFC. You have, 
you were so passionate when you took over as the lead voice for the UFC. It was amazing. It's a long day, though, man. We, we, we I, I don't know if, if people realize you're there for like seven hours doing live fights, but how much time do you have leading into the fights, too? Well, so when I'm in a back-to-back, which is to say back-to-back Saturday shows, maybe a fight night leading into a pay-per-view, which we try to avoid, it's just insane when you think about the volume of fighters, as many as 30 fighters on a fight card in back-to-back weeks, you do the math, right? And if you just think about fighter prep alone, like I just had my review and I said my biggest anxiety is fighter preparation because there's so much of it. But for a pay-per-view like this, when I got a couple weeks in the lead-up, it makes it a little bit easier But these are monsters to prepare for, and I appreciate the words and you acknowledging that. You know, oftentimes we are on a headset for like eight hours, and uh, I think I've conditioned myself as an announcer to sort of handle that grind, and it is TV and not radio, so a little silence in there is okay. Um, But I really do think there's like conditioning that goes into executing a broadcast like ours, and I feel like the one thing I can always control, even if I'm not particularly articulate on a given night, is my energy. And, um, you know, hopefully... uh, that comes across uh, on a live microphone. But, yeah, it's, uh, these pay-per-views are crazy, man. You know, it's, our live events are just insane. And uh, we got another big one, of course, in a few hours. Yeah, no, and uh, one more sleep, as you always say. Uh, I'm excited to have, again, John Anik on, UFC commentator, play-by-play, lead, lead play-by-play for uh, the pay-per-views. And, and, you know, you do have a great crew, too. I mean, I'm, I'm going to kiss some tush here real, real quick. Ah. Between Rogan and DC, it's phenomenal. But then you got Megan O'Levy or Laura Sanko, whomever it is. If it's Bisbing filling in. I mean, you guys, who... It's amazing to have a guy like Rogan, who's a big fan, yourself as a big fan of the sports, but then to have the fighters as well and the other commentators, everyone just is so passionate, understanding of, of, of the level of, of fighting that's going on. It really is. You guys have like the best crew in, in the business. Well, that means a lot, and I appreciate it. Yeah, there are a lot of uh, talented talking heads, and of course, when you're looking at Joe Rogan to your right, uh, It's just an incredible honor to share that space with him. And, uh, you know, we called a pay-per-view for the first time together, I think, in 2012 on three days' notice, and then in 2017 full-time. And uh, I think he'll be there forever, man. You know, it's just it's an amazing job. And certainly for him, as a ravenous mixed martial arts fan, he wants that seat and wants it, I think, longer than people think he's going to stick around for. And, of course, the wealth of UFC fighters I have to my right. It's, uh, it's great. And as announcers, honestly, I'm a sports fan, right? When I'm not talking about the announcers or not thinking announcer, about the announcers, oftentimes that is the gravy for me, you know. So to have you acknowledge our collective work, uh, you know, means a lot. But with Dana White's our boss, so we got to earn it Saturday night, you know. Well, you know, Dana White's been in the media lately. Uh <laughs> About the Howie Mandel thing, in your opinion, did you saw him walk off the Howie Mandel thing? Was that a yeah. fix? Was that a work? Or was that real? Uh, you know, I no informed speculation here. It looked like a work to me. I mean, certainly, <laughs> I would be suggestive that Dana White has done a tremendous amount of media over the last couple of weeks, Super Bowl in Las Vegas and everything else. So certainly, you know, you could it's a good time to probably try to pull off something like that. But yeah, it looked like a work to me. Uh, and if not, you know, God love him for just calling it head to it, you know, because enough is enough. And he's been, you know, burning it. I would think it all ends with Super Bowl leading into a pay-per-view. Listen, you would, would I, I'm jealous of, of you guys for what you do. It's, it's my passion project is the UFC and the MMA world. It's, I just love it so much. I've been a fan forever. And now I'm at the point now where I have my kids. I got my six year old, his friends are coming. Yes. Around, my, my 14 year old, the, the house is packed with kids. Kids, which gets me to the one point about MMA, which I do. I, I love it. 
I love what Dana White had to say about Sean Strickland. But I do, the one thing I'm trying to figure out, we allow our fighters to basically go ahead and say whatever they want to. And that's great for the sport. And Dana White will never, you know, put a muzzle over him. But you as a, you know, working for the company and whatnot, sometimes do you cringe where it's like, oh, man, that's not the message I want to throw out there. Well, I mean, I don't have a lot of strong opinions when it comes to certain issues that maybe a lot of other people have strong opinions about. But I do think there is a line that maybe doesn't get crossed as perpetually as some people think. But I do appreciate and get to feel sort of that freedom of speech from Dana White because I host a podcast and sometimes, you know, my opinion may differ from promotionally what they're doing. And whether it's on social media or on my show, I'm never prevented from, you know, giving an opinion that differs from their own. You know, I think they respect the opinion. It's hopefully done in a respectful way. And, um, you know, it doesn't always have to align with theirs. So that, you know, what's interesting for me is sometimes when people think I'm a shill. I've never been told to do one thing by them, but be true to who I am, you know. So I, I like that the fighters are afforded that. And honestly, I would almost turn the question back on you and say, you know, should they just draw a line, you know, when it comes to certain things? I mean, certainly people would like religions and families to be eliminated, but, um, you know, that would eliminate a lot of good stuff on families, right? So I don't know. I don't know where you draw a line. Yeah, I, it's one of those things where, because I, I, my, my kids will question things like about certain things that people say, like Strickland, Sean Strickland, for example, you know, and I hate that because I'm like, I want them to enjoy the fights. I want them to get into it. I want them to promote it. And then the, with tough conversations, which, again, I'm a, I'm a father, so I have to deal with that. And I'll yeah. handle it whichever way I need yeah. to. And, and, you know, and it's funny. John Anik is joining us right now, UFC paper, uh, lead commentator for pay-per-view. Um, you know, it's funny. You yourself just kind of last week or two weeks ago, I forgot which fight it was, you kind of had a little backlash on your podcast as well because you kind of said things you were a little frustrated with some of the social media play that people were attacking you and you don't listen social media is a cesspool like if you understand what the what my host we just i just had my host that I, the show that I produced for Brandon Tierney and Sal Licata, I just had them dress up as Goldust and Doink the Clown because they lost the bet huh. and they got murdered on social media and but they get murdered anyway it's something that you just can't you don't want to look at but like you went and apologized. I understand because you had some words that you were a little you 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 threw your frustration out. How do you handle? You know, do you normally look at social media, or do you you try to avoid that as well? Oh no, I'll never post and ghost. I have sort of built my reputation on fan engagement and being a conduit for these people, so that's never going to change. Maybe I have to be a little bit more selective when I engage. Um, but honestly, bro, talking to you man to man, it was really just an emotional moment on my podcast. I, you know bias or a lack of objectivity is really the only jumping off point for me when it comes to sensitivity like truly bro talk about my kids right like it's just in one ear out the other moving on to try to find something constructive when i do have the time to engage um but in that fight you know it seemed like i got into this sort of conversation with a lot of sean strickland fans who allege maybe some bias on the call uh, and if we don't have our objectivity, we have nothing. And I went back and watched it, and it was an even-handed call, as I would say 99% of them have been. Sometimes in our sport, when strikes land simultaneously, uh, you may, you're careful not to sort of lean into one fighter, but your eyes can only move so fast. And I don't have to tell you how fast-moving a sport it is. But, um, 
you know, that's the only sensitivity for me and just had a moment. But uh, by and large, these people have just been so great to me and shown us so much love as you have tonight in terms of the broadcast team. And, uh, dude, we're just trying to be as listenable as possible for eight hours, right? Like, that's really it. Like, to not get in the way of the live sporting event and to add to it, you know, that's what we're trying to do. I, I don't know how you guys have the stamina for that because I, I – I took my uh, my kid, the oldest, uh, J.D., I took him to the pay-per-view, not this year, but I took him two years ago to the pay-per-view, um, and we were there for the entire card because he just wanted to be there. Was the, it was the Izzy Alexa, uh, P- the Pereira fight, and he just was like, towards the end, he barely could make it out of there. We were getting exhausted. I don't know how you guys keep the energy, but you do. John Anik joining us, UFC 298 tomorrow, pay-per-view. The, the, the car, main event starts at, at 10, but 6 o'clock, you got, you got the, the, the prelims, the main prelims start at 8 o'clock. I mean, you got a whole night of it. But let's get to the, the pay-per-view, UFC 298, Alexander Volkanovsky versus Ilya Tapora. And, and listen, you talk about a flip of a coin for featherweight division. This is one of the, you know, Volkanovsky could go down as the greatest featherweight of all time. And he's going up basically a flip of a coin in Tapuria. Give me why this fight is so close on paper. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Well, it's interesting. I do think a lot of handicappers and betters lean into age, right? You got a 27-year-old taking on a 35-year-old. And I also think that undefeated records can manipulate betting lines, not for better or for worse necessarily, but I think those are two angles. We just don't know exactly how good Ilya Topuria is. In my opinion, if he doesn't win Saturday night, he's got a great chance to be a champion in the future. He's a five-tool player. He's been Greco-Roman wrestling since he was four years old, and uh, you know he does have big hands for a man his size. I think he has power. You know He thinks he's the better finisher in this equation, but let us be clear. Alexander Volkanovsky is the consensus greatest featherweight of all time. He's been a much bigger betting favorite against past opponents. This is his sixth title defense. I think Bulk is much closer to prime than not at 35. I expect both guys to be great. I don't expect Topuria to be phased by the atmosphere, but our sport is effing crazy, right? So something crazy could happen in the first round, and people would maybe make great proclamations that Bolt came back too early from a knockout loss, or Topuria is going to be the greatest of all time. I expect a competitive fight. Uh, I think it gets out of the first round, and uh, just can't wait to call it. Like I say, man, with res- I grew up in Boston. I'm not a martial artist. I don't want to put on a gi or train jujitsu. <laughs> but there are 14 Super Bowls a year. You know, the one the NFL does and the 13 that we put on. And uh, hopefully, people will watch Saturday night. Yeah. And by the way, you were in between both of them. Who felt stronger yesterday at, at the uh, at the ceremonial uh, uh, press conference? Uh, Taporia tried to steal the belt. You were in between. Who who felt like the stronger of the two? They both felt significantly stronger than me. <laughs> Toporia, I definitely felt his strength, right? He was not going to be denied. I, I told Volk I wish I was a little bit quicker on the trigger, but, uh, you know, 
did everything I could. All right, I know we, I know you're running out of time here, but real quick, which, what is your favorite fight of the night going in? I, I'm telling you right now, mine is Robert Whitaker, Paul Acosta. I love those two guys. I know on paper it's not as close of a fight. Whitaker has the edge, but Paulo Costa, if he can be the old Paulo Costa, the one we saw versus uh, Yoel Romero, the one that we've seen in the past, he is a, a game changer. He's got some heavy strikes. But is Robert Whitaker going to have his day and you know and, and and win another fight versus Paulo Costa? Well, I mean, Robert Whitaker, I think skill for skill is as good as any middleweight in the world, and he's a future Hall of Famer. But I think there are two fighters on Saturday night that, on their best Saturday night, certainly can be world champions: Paulo Costa at eighty-five and Jeff Neal taking on the undefeated Ian Machado Gary. Like Jeff Neal is a big underdog Saturday night, but if he's at his best at one seventy. He's amazing to watch. Ian Machado-Gary is a guy who I've called a future champion. That's a big fight. But I think Paulo Costa, this is it, right? Like, this is it. If you're a Paulo Costa fan and you've followed his career, a win over Robert Whitaker is as good as a title shot, even if he isn't necessarily next. So uh, it's a huge spot for him. He usually rises to the occasion. Um, but he's an underdog Saturday night, so we'll see. And fi- final question for me, because Marab Davashvili does train here in Long Island uh, with the Longo crew, Sarah Longo crew, which you got to give a shout-out to. He's facing Henry Cejudo, former champ. I mean, Davashvili is a favorite. He's, you know, a relentless wrestler who the takedowns, I mean, he basically breaks records every time he, he steps in the cage. Is this going to be another easy win for Davashvili, or is Henry Cejudo going to shock the world? There are a few fighters I have more respect for than Marab Dwalishwili. Just a tremendous worker, right? His nickname's The Machine, and it honestly doesn't even begin to describe it. There is no point of comparison. You can't simulate him in the gym. He's all MMA offense all the time. Nine wins in a row. Um, but this is the fight that he has to win. And, of course, he's fighting a guy in Cejudo who, you know, struck Olympic gold for the United States and is regarded by many as the greatest combat sports athlete of all time, at least on resume. Uh you know, I just think it's a fascinating fight. And when you were sort of intimating what's the fight that you're most looking forward to, uh, you know, I, Marab has put in so much hard work. I wonder where Henry's at at this stage of his career. He seemed to have put in the requisite work because he knows that this guy's not going to stop coming at him for 15 minutes. Well, listen, John Anik again, lead pay, play-by-play for UFC pay-per-view. He's going to be calling UFC 298 with Joe Rogan, Daniel Cormier, and Megan Levy on the side as well. Uh, thank you so much for the time. I know I appreciate it. You've had a long day. You're going to have a long night tomorrow. But, again, I appreciate it. One more sleep for John Anik. My pleasure, man. Pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you. Again, John Anik with us uh, for UFC 298 tomorrow uh, in Anaheim. And again, this this fight to me, this this card to me, it's really great. I the one thing I didn't ask him, which I should have done, I just can't believe I just screwed this up. UFC three hundred, UFC three hundred. He said, and I screwed it up. I should have asked him. He said it earlier today. UFC three hundred. They have not announced the headliner for UFC three hundred yet, and. People are rumoring Conor McGregor's going to come back. People are rumoring what what, what the, the main event's going to be. And he said his prediction was going to be the Justin Gaethje, Max Holloway. So for all the UFC 300 people out there that are trying to figure out what's going to be the main event, that was Annex's prediction. And then um, we'll, we'll see how that goes. But this card tomorrow night, UFC 298, I, I'm again, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Annex's work. I'm a huge fan of UFC. I will always promote the hell out of this stuff. And there's some really good card, uh, really good fights here. Now, Alexander Volkanovsky, again, the the age with Volkanovsky, it's one of those things where now the stats keep on piling up and they've had a ton of different 
um, examples of the older fighters losing to younger fighters. Like, that's just a, a thing now. Like, they'll put the stat up there that, like, 73% of fighters uh, with an age gap of, like, eight or plus years, uh, are, are the, the younger fighter will find a way to win. And But the talent between Alexander Volkanovsky, like, you look at a guy like Randy Couture back in the day, the heavyweight champion, a former heavyweight champion. Randy Couture fought till he was 46 years old. He was winning fights. He was winning at 44 years old. He beat somebody who was nearly twice his size. And you look at a guy like Volkanovsky, again, very small in, in stature. He used to he used to be a rugby player or Irish football guy, whatever it was. He used to he used to be like two hundred plus pounds. He's fighting at one forty five, so he has that natural strength. Even though he cuts down the weight, he can still find a way to own that cage, own Tapuria. Again, we don't know how Ilya Tapuria is going to go head to head in a title fight. Five rounds. It's a whole different ball game especially in the UFC for, for for these main events. But it's going to be a good card. I am looking fo- forward to Paulo Costa uh, in the um, light heavyweight division. I'm sorry, mid- middleweight division. Paulo Costa, who was one of my favorite f- fighters back in the day, just has never been healthy, continues to, you know, ha- has had suspensions, has had injury problems. Robert Whitaker, one of the better middleweights out there. Um Couldn't beat Israel Adesanya, but again, very exciting fighter. That there's There's a lot of good fights on here. For me, if there's something on the undercard that you really want to look out for, it's at 6:15. It's the 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 main the opener, Miranda Maverick versus Andrea Lee. I think Andrea Lee. If anybody knows Don Cerrone, that's a fighter that you know was a lightweight fighter. Sometimes fought in the uh, welterweight division, but was just a, a Muay Thai striker, fun. And Andrea Lee's kind of like that. She she brings the fight. There's it's 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 a battle. And Miranda Maverick, though, who is an up and comer, who is trying to make the rise. I think she has a uh, the edge, but it, it's going to be a good fight anyway. Eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six UFC two ninety eight. I'm looking forward to it. Mackenzie Dern's also on the card too. Uh, a bunch of good fighters and. And yeah, listen, I it's one of those things where and it's funny. John Anik, the one thing that he did mention. Just with the we talk about a rod, right? We talk about a rod being, you know, this firepower, this you know, off the field type of personality that always has a camera in front of his face, wants the wants the camera, wants wants that attention, and a lot of these fighters usually don't get the attention, but they. The ones that do, the ones that are vocal, sometimes they go above and beyond. And, and listen, MMA is not fake. You know, wrestling is not fake. Uh, wrestling is is you know WWE is fake as far as like you know the scripts and whatnot. But what they do in the in the ring in the cage, there it is violent, all that other stuff. But they are trying to build personalities. They are trying to throw pops, get get attention. There's certain guys that are trying to build characters in MMA, in the UFC, who are trying to just, you know, find a way to grab that attention. They they see the Conor McGregor's of the world and see how he steams rolled through everything and 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 basically, you know, got popular. The Irish, you know, Americans were behind him, his country was behind him, and made a wave. 
and the popularity, the notoriety, the the money, the fact that he was able to go into a, a boxing match with Floyd Mayweather, that's what people are trying to emulate. And it's one of these things where not everyone could be Conor McGregor, but they could try. And the vocal, the, you know, the the conversations that lead after a fight, what they say, how the, the terms they use, the words they use, the verbiages, it's sometimes it's insulting, sometimes it's a little over the top, and that's the problem is that there's no filters for these fighters. There's filters when it comes down to athletes in baseball, athletes in in um, in the NFL, in 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 hockey. There has to be filters because you don't want those. Um, you you don't want you kind of have to be a little PC. You can't just speak your mind, and that's what Dana White allows you to do in the in the UFC world. Is you, say what you got to say. I'm not going to put a filter on you. Say you you know if there's going to be consequences, it's not on me. It's 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 on you. But we're still going to allow you to fight. And for me, that sucks because sometimes it puts us in predicaments that I don't want my kids to be. Um, you know, be around. Some of those conversations are a little too difficult. Now, meanwhile, I'm sitting there letting them watch people punch each other in the face. So go figure. It happens. Anyway, uh, great conversation with John Anik. I appreciate that. Again, UFC 298 tomorrow. 10 o'clock is the main event, but you'll be seeing fights from 6 p.m. on, which is the long night, but I'm looking forward to it. 